Hello, sweet sisters, and welcome to Cosmic Conceptions, a place where we acknowledge that women are of nature and the stars. My name is Athena, and I'll be your guide as we explore esoteric transmissions on fertility astrology, conscious conceptions, women's health, and more. Here we will not shy away from the radical, the controversial, or the spiritual. So grab your tea, and let's get cosmic. It feels like it's been a while, but it's actually only been a couple weeks since we didn't do an episode last week, which actually felt really good. Um, It was really nice to take a break, and it made me all the more excited to come back and have a chat with you guys because this week we are sort of pivoting back into getting into the astrology of things. So on today's show, we're going to chat about fertility transits. Now, you may have remembered from earlier episodes when I was kind of guiding you through the wisdom of the fertile moon that I would frequently say, you know, there are other things that can be going on in our charts that can also impact fertility, that it, it doesn't just come down to the lunar window the same way that our physical body and her healing expressions don't all just come down to one finite point of observation. Like there, we are holistic beings and there are a lot of different energetic forces at play that help to shape our reality. So today we're going to get a little bit um, more deep into this discussion of what these other transits are, what they can look like for you uh, in your chart, etc, etc. So before we get into that, though, I just want to say thank you so much to Brittany, Edie, and Ola for becoming paying supporters of the show and my work over at Substack. If that is something that you'd be interested in doing as well, you can um, click the link in the show notes to subscribe in which you will be able to access all of the podcast bonus material, the monthly ask me anythings and my very personal cosmic conception diaries, which are all happening over on Substack for $11 a month. If you would like to support the show, but you cannot financially make that investment right now, I do appreciate you spreading the word, telling your girlfriends about this work, or maybe even leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps out. So thank you so much for being with me in this whole process and yeah, supporting the work that I'm doing. I really appreciate it. So let's get into the fertility transits. When we're talking about transits, what astrologers mean is that we're looking at how the planets are positioned in the sky currently and how that position relates to the placements in your natal chart. So if we're saying that transiting Jupiter is conjunct your natal moon, it means that wherever Jupiter is in the sky right now, it is overlapping with the place where your where the moon was at the moment of your birth. 
So if you pull up your natal chart and you access the transits for that chart um, and the transits you can request to be like, you know, today's current present transits or you can put in um, other days that you want to see what the transits looked like on those days. You can do this through astro.com. I think in one of the first podcast episodes, the bonus content for that episode, and at the time the bonus content for the show was free, so you will be able to access this video. I walk you through how to generate your own natal chart um, online. So through that same process, you can choose which day you want to see the transits um, in your chart for. So let's say it's your, you're bringing up your natal chart and you just kind of want to see what the transits are for today, what's happening right now. You could put in today's date, um, generate your chart, click to show the chart with transits. And what that will do was, will, is to create an additional layer of symbols of all the planets around the outside, the exterior of the natal chart so that you can see really clearly where the planets are transiting in your chart. Now, if this feels confusing, just let me know. Maybe I can make another video where I specifically show you how to access the transits. Um, if you don't want to do it that way, you can just do it from you know, memory or knowing where your natal chart placements are. For example, if someone says to you, oh, the moon is in Libra today, and you know, oh, I have a Libra moon, then you know that the moon is very close to being in conjunction with your natal placement. Okay, so there, depending on how familiar you are with your natal chart, you'll start to be able to know where the transits are kind of passing through, if you will. Uh, and when we're looking at specifically fertility transits, right, like there's all different kinds of ways these transits can be impacting your personal experience, your reality, your emotional landscape, your health and healing expressions, and of course, your fertility. So when we're specifically looking at the transits in relation to fertility, we're sort of paying attention to um, three major houses, uh, one of them being the fifth house, which is the house of children. Um, and there are many ways that you can even interpret your natal placements in the fifth house uh, and what that would mean for you potentially in your life in regards to your, your relationship with children and even the... Um, the personalities of the children that you bring into this world, et cetera, et cetera. So maybe we can have another conversation about that another time. Um, but yeah, so the fifth house is going to show you uh, nature, you know, things of this matter, children. Uh, the sixth house is the house of health. So there could be transits that are occurring in the sixth house that may be representative of um, some difficult healing expressions that you're going through at any particular time, which can contribute more generally to uh, your vital force, your your overall health, and therefore your fertility. So that, that kind of wanders more into the medical aspect of doing these chart readings. And then the eighth house as well. The eighth house is our house of birth uh, and death and our sexuality. So there could be some dynamics playing out in the eighth house uh, as well that might be 
representative of your personal experience. Um, now, the sixth and the eighth house, like I said, they they kind of want take us into more generalized observations about our relationship, um, our relationships to with our bodies, um, our healing expressions, our relationship with our sexuality that kind of stuff. But when I'm doing a chart reading uh, with someone, I am mostly focusing on looking at what is passing through their fifth house. And I have seen um, for sure situations in which those six, fifth house uh, transits have really um, seemed to deeply impact the success of uh, when a woman is trying to conceive. So those are the houses, some of the houses that we're going to be looking at and thinking about. And actually, this isn't on my list, but also the first house house as well. The first house um, is where we really see an, ex- an example of or an explanation, a mirror of how we inhabit our physical body. So sometimes when we have difficult transits passing through that first house, it can uh, trigger or impact how you are experiencing your personal health and healing Um And it can also contribute as well to maybe things like accidents happening. Um, If you listen to, I think it was our previous episode uh, with Alexa about her uh, emergency IVF surgery, um, she had Uranus passing through her first house when that experience unfolded. So definitely not, um, was not a favorable time to be experimenting with things like IVF transfers or surgeries or anything like that. So the first house can also sometimes show us when, um, the weather may not be favorable. And speaking of that, I should possibly back up a little bit and, and just reiterate, um, that, you know, a transit is almost like it is it is producing weather that is going to create favorable or unfavorable conditions, right? Like just because you're experiencing transfers through these houses or some of the other transfers that I'm about to talk about regarding the planets, it doesn't mean that fate has been decided for you and that horrible things are going to happen or even that really amazing things are going to happen, right? It's a contributor to the cosmic weather of the moment. Um, And oftentimes too, they can either, well, it's not good or bad. It's just they they can assist you on experiencing the lessons um, and the healings that you need to experience at any given moment in time for the purpose of your soul's evolution. Okay, so... um, it's nice to have astrology on hand so that we can navigate cosmic weather, right? And and influence the potential success of our outcomes, just like we want to take care of our bodies so that, you know, if you trip and fall, you just get back up again. It doesn't mean that you're going to like blow out your ankle and then, you know, be on your ass for, for 10 weeks healing, right? It's like you want to be able to work with natural laws so that you can experience the best possible outcomes for you. So when we're looking at these transits, it's not, right, it's not like your fate is sealed, um, but we can use them as tools to help us 
uh, navigate our journeys, set ourselves up for the best possible outcome, um, and sometimes even just as mirrors, right, to provide those mirrors of reflection on the energetics behind why things are unfolding for us as they are. Okay, so to get back into it, let's talk about the planets a little bit. So planets that are going to be really significant for women are going to be uh, the moon, of course, because the moon rules the womb uh, and is also representative of our emotional landscape and our ability to mother. Uh, Venus is also going to be really important for women. Venus, of course, represents female fertility as a whole, but also co-rules the womb alongside the moon. Uh, And interestingly enough, Venus is also thought traditionally to rule the sperm, even though Mars generally represents male fertility as a whole. And we see this, uh, we'll see this when we talk about the Mars and Venus conjunction. Uh, Jupiter is also going to be a really important transit to look at. Jupiter is our expander and our bringer of luck and joy, and he tends to highlight the areas of the chart that he touches. So we'll see that when we talk about his transits as well. For men, you're going to want to look at the sun uh, as well as Mars, like we just said, and Jupiter is also significant for men. So let's get into the specific transits. Now, if, you know, just hearing me kind of gobbledygook it all out over a podcast might be a little bit hard to uh, like to hold or to visualize and of course certainly to remember. Um, so if you are interested in getting a brief fertility transit uh, forecast uh, that will take you to the end of the year and a little bit into 2024 as well with some of these more slower moving planets such as Jupiter, the bonus material for this podcast episode is going to provide a really easy way for you to just run through some of these major transits and see if they apply to you and your placements uh, anytime in the near future. So be sure to check out the link in the show notes to get access to that. Of course, this is being provided as a gift to those who are paying supporters of the show. Now let's start with uh, Venus, right? Venus is kind of the obvious character here that we want to be looking at in terms of whether or not she is going to assist us in expanding in our fertility. So when we look at Venus, we first want to see if she is going to be transiting through some key houses. So it's helpful if Venus is within the fifth house specifically, but can also be helpful in the seventh house as well. So this is actually a house that I didn't mention at the top of the show. Um, The seventh house is our house of partnership and relationships. Uh, And so sometimes we can see dynamics that are playing out there in the seventh house uh, and therefore um, planets that are transiting that seventh house might activate themes that are occurring there, um, hopefully for the better, so that we can come together in our partnerships uh, and produce new life. Venus is also going to be helpful conjunct, sextile, or trine the natal Mars, Jupiter, and Moon placement. Uh, 
and she's also going to be helpful conjunct the North Node or the Ascendant. Uh, which is um, particularly thought to increase estrogen, actually. So this might not be a good conjunction if you are someone who is struggling with estrogen dominance. Uh, You might even find that if you pay attention to your transits, that when Venus is conjunct the North Node or the Ascendant, that you actually experience a heightened sense of symptoms that are associated with uh, estrogen dominant kind of picture. But traditionally speaking, you know, in a world in which everybody is very healthy and naturally integrated and our hormones are balanced, uh, this conjunction would be considered favorable because it would make you more juicy and more fertile uh, and therefore more susceptible to a conception. So to quickly review those Venus transits, that is Venus, right, transiting Venus, within your natal fifth or seventh house, transiting Venus conjunct sextile or trine your natal Mars, Jupiter, or moon, or transiting Venus conjunct the north node and the ascendant. So moving on to Jupiter, uh, there's a lot of houses um, that... I have in my notes that Jupiter can be favorable within and some of them I'm actually not really quite sure why. So initially, you know, the some of the teachings um, say that Jupiter transiting the first, third, fifth, seventh, ninth, and eleventh house can all be favorable. Um, but I for me personally The first house, the fifth house, and the seventh house make the most sense, right? Because like I said, the first house um, is sort of a window into our physiology uh, and how we experience our, you know, our constitution, our physical body. The fifth house, of course, um, is where children come through. uh, And I have definitely seen multiple times now Jupiter transiting the fifth house being very favorable. Um, Or at least if you only choose to believe in coincidences, that he coincidentally seems to keep showing up in the fifth house when um, my friends uh, all find themselves pregnant. (laughs) So there's that. And then um, the seventh house, of course, because the house uh, of partnerships. And in in the the bonus um, report for this episode, I think I focus mainly on Jupiter in the fifth and the seventh house. So Jupiter can also be very favorable when conjunct sextile or trine the natal moon or the natal Venus. Jupiter is also favorable conjunct the north node. Um, And and going back to Alexa's story again, just because she had so many uh, cosmic um, synchronicities in her story, she had a lot of... um, a lot of interesting energy around Jupiter and her north um, nodal placements when she actually brought home um, her adopted son. And I think that this is really interesting because the nodes represent karmic journeys, right? So when we have planets like Jupiter or even Saturn, um, transiting these nodal points, they tend to highlight moments in your unique 
journey that are very pivotal, pivotal to your karmic and dharmic evolution. So I think it's really interesting to note that because some of these transits might not even necessarily be activating um, your physical expressions, but they can also be signaling an energy shift in terms of your karmic evolution, right? Okay, so just to review, that's Jupiter within, we'll say, the first, fifth, and seventh house. Uh, and then transiting Jupiter conjunct sextile or trine the natal moon and natal Venus, as well as Jupiter conjunct the north node. So moving on to Mars, this um, this particular transit is starred uh, in my notes because, like we just said earlier, um, Mars represents male virility overall, but also Venus uh, can represent the female virility and also um, the sperm itself. So we're looking here specifically at Mars's transiting Mars's relationship with the natal Venus and how these two energies come together, right? So we're looking for um, transiting Mars conjunct sextile or trine natal Venus. Um, yeah, and that's a pretty that's a pretty simple one to look out for. The last one is the moon. If tra- the transiting moon is conjunct the natal Venus or the natal Jupiter, this is also a very favorable placement. Now, the moon is moving rather quick, as we know, right? The moon is moving, um, passing through each uh, sign in approximately two and a half days. So you really want to be on the lookout for that one because it's going to be, you know, conjunct your natal Venus and natal Jupiter, you know, once every month. Um, so maybe not as impactful as a transit, uh, in terms of some of these like slower moving planets, they seem to have more, um, yeah, like long term, um, really like present, um, dense, impacts on our experience, whereas the moon is moving quite quickly um, and is not always necessarily going to cause such a stir, I suppose. Um, Although, of course, the fertile moon phase is quite potent for many women. So you just have to see if you you start paying attention to how you... Um, how you experience your body and your emotional landscape as the moon travels through all of these signs, uh, you can kind of gauge how sensitive you are to her transits. Uh, And of course, there are other indications in the chart um, and other unique aspects to your personal physical body um, and mind that may make you more or less susceptible to her transits. Uh, and I, I want to take a moment to clarify because as I was just talking about these transits, I realized that I didn't uh, fully explain what a sextile or a trine is. I think we all understand the conjunction, right? So the conjunction is when the planets are passing directly over that point in the natal chart. Okay, so they're kind of like overlapping one another, um, whereas a sextile is when the planets are going to be forming a 60-degree angle between one another and the trine is 120 degrees between one another 
Yes, 120 degrees. So the trines and the sextiles are very harmonious and favorable aspects rather than uh, squares or oppositions, which are quite challenging. And while we're on the subject of clarifying what the aspects are, I'll also note that you don't need to wait for an exact alignment to consider that these aspects are being activated. So for example, if you are looking for transiting Mars to be conjunct your natal Venus and you have natal Venus at 10 degrees in Libra, you don't need to wait until Mars is also at 10 degrees in Libra in order to consider that the conjunction is activated. You can use what is called an orb, which is a certain number of degrees on either side of that exact conjunction point uh, that you can consider the conjunction um, or any of these other aspects being made. So every astrologer uses, you know, they have their own um, methodology methodology to how wide these orbs are. Uh, traditionally, the further away the planet, the smaller the orb because the aspect needs to be more exact in order for that activation to occur because the planet is so far away. So for example, with Pluto, you're looking at a three degree orb, whereas For the moon, you're looking at more of a 10 degree orb. And just uh, as a more of like a blanket approach uh, for all of these inner planets, I would recommend just working within a 10 degree orb. So even the fertile uh, forecast in the podcast bonus uh, material, I am using a 10 degree orb for all of those uh, windows for you to look at. Um, Okay, and the last thing that we're going to cover are, I almost forgot, the male fertility transits, okay? So men also have these transits as well. And actually, men are also impacted by their uh, lunar windows, just like women are. It is thought that the man's sperm count will generally increase during his fertile moon phase. Usually though, because uh, the receptivity of the female ends up being more important in terms of where her lunar window is and where her hormonal window is and all of these other things um, that make our fertility a little bit uh, more rich and complex, if you will. Uh, Usually when we're working with the transits, we're primarily looking to see what is going to be favorable for the woman as it evolves or revolves around her lunar, uh, fertile lunar windows. Uh, But if uh, the, it appears that the male is primarily uh, the one that is kind of uh, interfering with the success of the conception and has very, very low sperm counts. Uh, you would then in that situation prefer to design your conception attempts around uh, his lunar windows. Now, of course, this uh, is more likely than not to be out of alignment with your lunar windows or your hormonal windows. Uh, And so there are a couple things you can do to try to get in alignment with his window. Um, 
et cetera, et cetera. So that could be a whole uh, other conversation. Um, but just generally speaking, um, men have their own fertile lunar windows in which their sperm counts are thought to increase, uh, but they also are impacted by more general fertility transits, just as we have discussed in this episode uh, for women as well. So there are two key transits that you're going to be looking at for men. The first is Mars, of course. So in the man's chart, you want transiting Mars to be conjunct, sextile, or trine, the natal sun, Jupiter, moon, or ascendant. So that's transiting Mars, conjunct, trine, uh, conjunct, sextile, or trine, the natal sun, Jupiter, moon, or ascendant. Another favorable transit is Mars conjunct, uh, that north node. Uh, so that, that, Con, um, that placement in particular is thought to also assist with increasing sperm uh, production. And I've had a couple couples, couple couples, <laughs> a couple women um, come to me through Infertile Moon uh, and talk to me about, you know, their partners getting tested for sperm and how the results were not necessarily optimal. And in both cases, uh, within their chart, they had some. Um, unfavorable transits occurring regarding Mars and the South Node. So just as, you know, we're dealing with polarities here in the chart, right? So just as the North Node can potentially increase things like estrogen or sperm production, uh, potentially those same transits along the South Node can decrease these aspects of our fertility. And we will talk about that more uh, when we do an episode on transits that we want to avoid. The last transit that you want to look at for our male partners is transiting Jupiter conjunct his natal moon. So Jupiter is a very favorable transit for both men and women. If in either of their charts, Jupiter is transiting their natal moon, it is probably a good sign. And I would say that if Jupiter is passing through the male partner's fifth house or seventh house, that that is probably also something that we would consider consider favorable. If you are interested in bringing more of this cosmic information into your conception journey, but you don't necessarily need the medical astrology and earth-based medicine counseling that is provided one-on-one through Infertile Moon, then I have a new opportunity for you. You'll be able to find a link to this in the show notes. You can now purchase a fertile transit report without having to meet with me one-on-one. So this fertile transit report will be delivered to you in PDF format to your email within one week of the purchase date. And the report will include the upcoming six-month forecast, all of your lunar fertile windows, including the favorable and unfavorable transits that will be occurring within each of those windows for both you and your partner. You also have the option to have the predicted sex selection depending on the placement of the moon during your fertile moon phases within that PDF. If you do feel like you need more 
one-on-one attention, more guidance through the medical readings of your chart, and more education in earth-based medicine that can help support you in achieving your optimal fertility. Of course, you can book a session with me and we can sit together through Infertile Moon where you will also within that offering receive a six-month fertile transit report a complete medical astrology report, as well as getting that one-on-one time with me. All right, that's it for this week, ladies. I look forward to chatting with you next time.